Welcome to the ABA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. Welcome. I'm your host, Lyle Moran. My guest today is Gino Brogdon Jr. He is the co-founder and CEO of Fourth Party, a technology platform designed to help mediators and arbitrators efficiently manage their cases. Gino is also an Atlanta-based lawyer who both handles mediations and litigates cases. During this episode, we will discuss why Fourth Party was created, how the tool works, and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the demand for alternative dispute resolution. Gino, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Lyle. Excited to be here. Well, same here. And Gino, I was hoping you could start off sharing a little bit about your background as a lawyer. My background as a lawyer, um, so I am a personal injury attorney. I I primarily focus on trial and litigation. Um, Prior to kind of shifting more to mediation and to the tech startup, um, I, I originally was, you know, went to law school like everybody else and started training at a, at a, a volume personal injury firm. So I got to try a lot of cases. I got to learn a lot about the processes of litigation. And, um, and so after doing that, I've, I started my own, after doing about three years of that, I started my own firm and have had my own practice for seven years doing, providing both mediation and litigation services. Great. And what was it that motivated you to start working as a mediator? Well, I had, you know, I was really lucky. I I had a a mentor in the field who really opened a door for me at at, uh, Miles Mediation. And he gave me the opportunity um, to be a mediator. At first, it was it was something that, that just felt like something I would enjoy. And so I gave it a shot. And I, I got really, really uh, fortunate to have really good mentors and a really good environment uh, to start a practice and to and to kind of shift more into the ADR world. And what type of cases do you handle as a mediator? So I, I handle a good number of cases. They're they're all in the um, civil arena, but everything from a contract to dispute a contract dispute um, to a car accident case, um, nursing home cases, medical malpractice, but primarily uh, business disputes and and um, injury related claims. All right. Now, what was it about handling mediation matters that made you realize there was room in that area for technology improvements? I came in as a as a fairly young guy. I don't want to say I was a young guy, but I came in as a fairly young guy. And and you know, the younger uh, I was, the more used to technology I was and the more kind of adept I was to to things that helped my litigation practice run really well. Um, there were a lot of software out there that helped you manage your litigation practice. And so I was used to and kind of had that expectation around my practice. And so when I started mediating and I started getting enough cases where it made sense to have some system to organize them, I, I kind of was at a loss. I mean, we uh, we looked, we tried a lot of different um, applications in the space or software in the space, and, and it just was not, it wasn't made for mediators. It was kind of this, this wide net um, and really, a lot of mediators weren't using it. Most mediators were using a pen and a pad to keep all their 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 notes and their records. And it's a practice where you know it's it's one of the oldest jobs there are in terms of peacemaking and bringing people together. And you don't you don't it, the view um, 
um, in technology was, or at least the view in this industry was that you didn't need much more than than a pen and a pad to kind of uh, bring people together. Um, but now, ever since the pandemic, that's really, really changed things. Hmm. Well, I understand as well that you had a family meeting of sorts where the decision to create what has become Fourth Party was made. And I was hoping you maybe could share a little bit about that kind of family discussion. <laughs> it was a family meeting, technically. It was my wife and I. It started as I had a, an attorney call me who wanted me to look back at my notes for a specific case. And the case, you know, was a year prior and my notes were basically were really just organized um, by notepad, you know, chronologically in this bucket that I have. And my, uh, my wife, I, I asked for help to find to find the right pad, just like I asked for help finding all the stuff in the house. And she helps me and we're going through and I'm throwing paper in the air. And, and it is, she doesn't always tell the story with all the frustration that I had, but, um, I was frustrated and it was trying to find, very simple information. And I had a system in place, but it just, the system wasn't working. And so that was what initiated this thought process of, okay, we got to get something to manage my practice. I'm, I got a litigation practice and I have support in that way. And and when we tried to find something, Lyle, it was just, there wasn't anything that was specific to uh, mediators and arbitrators. Hmm. So you realized, okay, I want to build something in this area because there's nothing here. How did you go about developing what's become Fourth Party? When we initially realized that there wasn't anything that could quite uh, manage the practice or help us manage the practice and kind of be that back room, if you imagine a practice, for example, uh, a mediation practice, the person that's sending out invoices, the person that's handling handling the calendaring, um, that this we needed something like that because I already had a practice that I was trying to run that I did have that support for. And so we we started with kind of this combination of, I think we got up to seven, 17 different softwares and applications that we were using um, together basically to manage the practice. Everything from Excel to, you know, Google calendars and, and kind of putting everything together and getting by. Um, when uh, my wife, Melissa and co-founder, she is, she's very good at pro- processes. And so she is the person that had been organizing me from the start. So I could just practice law. And, and with the mediation practice, it was figuring out, can we get or create something that is supportive enough to me so that I can manage my mediation practice? So that's kind of how it how it came to be. And and we, we started pressing and decided to create something. Hmm. So you mentioned some ways that you would need it to, you know, help you manage your practice. Like what would you say are the key features of fourth party for mediators? Well, the key features are the features that allow people just to mediate. And so, you know, I spent a lot of weekends and nights focusing in on doing paperwork, you know, figuring out invoicing, um, sending filing to different counties, um, doing my ca- managing my calendar and what. So feature wise, what we tried to focus on are what are the what are the pain points for mediators? What are the things that actually they don't want to spend time doing that they could be spending time building relationships or mediating? And that that came out after hundreds of conversations with mediators. Um, we, we figured out that invoicing 
is a huge pain point. Um, calendaring is a huge pain point. And the, the special thing about the software, Lyle, is that no matter where you are in your tech journey and your tech familiarity, you can use the software. Because our users are from, you know, 70 to 30 years old. And so, so it really, it's, it's, it's feature rich in the features that allow you to have your own kind of office and just allow the mediator to focus on their practice. Mm. Well, you know, what you just shared there raises a few follow-ups for me. One is, you know, you mentioned invoicing. I mean, how much time are you able to save now that you can do that easily through fourth party? Well, luckily for me, I, I work for a major firm, and so they handle the invoicing for me, for me specifically. Um, but the, the point is for the user, they're going to, because the invoicing is automated, it really eliminates time invoicing. Okay, so after you fill, answer basically six questions, you're able to have your invoices automated and sent out, and then you never have to worry about it again. And so, and of course, there are follow-up reminders and that type of thing. But the point is, any time people are spending going back through and invoicing is is essentially eliminated um, because it's taking you under two minutes to get your invoice out and in the hands of the people that need to uh, resolve the invoices. Mm. And is it having a similar impact just in terms of calendaring and making that more efficient too? Yeah, it's having a very similar impact. You know, the tough part about the calendaring was. Everyone had their own system on the calendaring and what fourth party allows as things get scheduled with fourth party. And when you put the case in the system, it can be uploaded to your Gmail or your email, whatever it is that um, whatever kind of calendar that you have so that you can keep track as well as have a have a um, calendar with the exact same information within fourth party. So no matter where you go, you have your calendar, you have your documents, you have access to your cases. And, you know, I imagine as a mediator, there's a lot of case files and documents involved. Are those the type of things that could be stored in fourth party? Absolutely. And that's a big, big, very important feature, especially for arbitrators. Uh, because the portal in which you can upload the documents, it, it's HIPAA compliant and it is a secure portal, especially dealing with the type of sensitive information that us in the um, as, as mediators and arbitrators deal with. Um, you're dealing with personal information, health information, all types of all, all types of things that have to comply with confidentiality. Um, and so being able to rely on safe storage and also tell the attorneys you're working with that you have a simple upload and a safe place to hold this stuff. I mean, it, it means a lot for both the attorneys and the mediators. Hmm. You know, and along those lines, something I read was, you know, fourth party says that it can help mediators um, and arbitrators complete the final stretch of activities and close out their cases. And I'm wondering um, how the tool helps with those types of activities. So the the way we help kind of on the back end that, you know, like if you think about a mediation, Lyle, the front end and the back end are what are really the administrative ends of the full mediation. And so the work really what people think about in terms of mediation is they think about the mediator actually in the mediation providing the service as opposed to all the work in calendaring and setting up the mediation and then on the back end invoicing and getting information to the courts. And so the the things that are really important on the back end are invoicing, of course, the automated invoicing, task and reminders, just in case there is an impasse, you got to follow up. 
And so we have process mapping that allows uh, mediators to understand the value in following up and kind of triggers uh, the notice that, hey, this is a case that was an impasse. It's been 30 days. Um, you you got to keep following up. And it really teaches, especially early career mediators, uh, what the process is which is something that, you know, how to run a mediation practice is not the same as how to mediate. And when you get certified, you learn how to mediate, not run a practice. And what we want to do with fourth party is allow allow you to kind of give the baton to that fourth party. I mean, that's really what it means. You have your two parties, you got the mediator, and then technology is what you use as the fourth party to make your practice more efficient and, and tech-enabled. Great. Well, we'll be back after a short break. If you're like me, you're probably a bit frustrated with the state of our political system today. Democracy Decoded, a podcast by Campaign Legal Center, examines our government and discusses innovative ideas that could lead to a stronger, more transparent, accountable, and inclusive democracy. Listen at democracydecoded.org to their new season, which takes a deep dive into democracy at the state and local level by highlighting different ways to ensure that every voter's voice is heard. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems, like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Welcome back to my conversation with Gino Brogdon Jr., the co-founder and CEO of Fourth Party, Gino, I'm wondering how you try and convince mediators who may not be as tech savvy to give fourth party a try. Yeah, and, and Lyle, the, you hit the the nail on the head because there are a lot of mediators, especially prior to the pandemic, that were not tech savvy. And, and honestly, Lyle, I would include myself in that. But what the pandemic did was it forced all of our hands to make our mediation practices tech enabled. And so when I'm talking to mediators, especially of a certain age or tech familiarity, and they have they have apprehension about using software and that type of thing, I, I just start off loud with what are the things that bother you the most about mediating? And if you and if you talk to enough mediators, what you realize is most mediators love what they do. And that time in between the administrative stuff is bliss. But the time setting up and the time closing out is painful. 
and makes people actually lose money because they don't want to spend the time doing the things that are necessary to open and shut the case. And so, so that is what the software achieves. And so, Lyle, what I ask them to do is give me your pain points. What are the things that irritate you the most about managing a mediation practice? And then I work from those pain points to figure out how can a fourth party solve those? Um, and if we can't solve them now, how can we solve them in the future? And that's kind of been our journey so far. Because um, I, I like the folks that are a little bit apprehensive because it's an opportunity to show them that anybody at any level of tech familiarity can use this product with comfort. And you, you know, I have to give, I got to give credit to one of my colleagues who said, you know, fourth parties like a buffet. You don't have to choose everything. You just choose the things that make your practice the best it can be and, and allow you to uh, manage a practice in the way you would like to manage um, according to clients' expectations. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that that's uh, I, I think that's kind of how we got there. Well, um, to use the analogy of the buffet, you know, what what um, menu items there do you recommend that those who are, you know, not so great at tech maybe try using um, to start off with? So I, I always encourage people that are not as tech familiar or comfortable. I remind them, look, I started a software company with my wife and I panic every time I get a new phone. OK, so none of us are above. I'm still a lawyer at heart. None of us are above having some apprehension around technology, but it is inevitable that we have to move in that direction. OK, there's the expectation now in the ADR field that you can be reached virtually, that you can have access to your cases anywhere you are. There's new expectations around technology now. And so I ask people, look, just start with uploading your documents. OK, when people when you have a case and you got a, a settlement memo, um, upload your documents. OK, take notes in the note section when you got a virtual mediation, doing things that are really simple that that um, ADR professionals are used to doing, just getting them to convert it to a computer where they already are for their virtual mediations. So that's those are the two, Lyle, that I try to focus on in the beginning because everybody needs documents and everybody takes notes. And so it is, it's kind of starting at the baseline of what we're used to and then working up to the features that, that take your practice to the next level. Mm. And, you know, Gino, you mentioned the impact of COVID-19. You've talked about virtual mediations. I mean, how has the pandemic, you know, emphasized or highlighted the importance of a tool like this? So it's it's this is the thing that is is so exciting about the mediation space, um, Lyle, because what the pandemic did is it did two things. Number one, it backed up the court system. So we, we already had a slow court system. People always say the wheels of justice turn slow. You always hear the old lawyers say that. <laughs> and and it's true. The, the wheels of justice do turn slow and, and it's a hard thing. But now we have um, a 30 percent increase in our backlog. And you're seeing cases that aren't going to get that we're going to get tried in 2021 that are now getting tried in 2024. OK, and so mm. we're, we're seeing a significant backlog. But the other thing that we are seeing is the expectation that mediators use technology in a way that we that wasn't required before. After doing 200 virtual mediations at this point, it's allowed me to really see what the new expectations are around Zoom and Microsoft Teams and having a tech-enabled practice. And so the 
I know what you were originally um, kind of asking about what COVID did. The really exciting piece of that is I, I spend time at my at law school. I went to um, University of Georgia School of Law and in their mediation clinic, there are students that are excited about early careers in mediation. And that's really what, what we want to encourage young lawyers and students to see that you don't have to wait until the end of your career or become a judge or, or something that, that kind of looks like that's what gets your foot in the door. Um, it, the industry has changed and you have a lot of young people excited about starting out as mediators and we want to help enable that. And so uh, while there's this intersection of this young energy and younger lawyers and in law students in the mediation field that is going to meet the need of the backlog by the court system. And so it's it's this kind of beautiful thing that is unfolding that, that comes from, you know, of course, um, COVID and uh, the pandemic, it's just been, it's been tragic, but there has been good and things that have come out of the pandemic um, um, in terms of uh, problem solving. And I think that this, I think that the um, excitement and the drive by people to early career mediation and students that want to start being mediators, meeting this need is a really exciting thing in this field. Mm, you know, that's really interesting. I hadn't um, heard that, you know, law school students are looking at um, going into mediation earlier in their careers. In that regard, do you think it's important that there be tech for them if they want to go into this field in the early stages? Exactly. And it's, it's you know, we're talking about people age-wise that have grown up with technology. And so the expectation is that there will be technology associated with it. And to have an industry where there's so much excitement around kind of this early career mediator and, and meeting this problem head on, they got to have the tools to do it. And when you don't have a mentor like I had and get to work at a big firm where a lot of people can help you like I did, um, you, you, need, you need someone or something to tell you kind of how to run a practice and allow you to just mediate and just work on your skill set. And that's, and that's really a lot of what we're trying to achieve with Fourth Party and, and working with University of Georgia School of Law. Yeah. And, you know, beyond the tech piece, Gino, I mean, why else would you advise young lawyers to consider mediation? I'd advise young lawyers to consider mediation because, you know, what law school kind of teaches you is how to be a warrior. And we got all these warriors out here and very few peacemakers. And I think that there has to be more balance around a process that resolves 85 percent of all civil matters. Okay, mediation, arbitration, alternative dispute resolution resolves most civil matters. It is it's something that now courts, almost all courts are requiring, all judges are requiring. And so um, I'd encourage people to get into the field because there's a limitation right now on the diversity of thought. Um, there's there is a limitation right now on even the amount of people that can help. And so so I think that that. This process needs to be, and I'm, and I, and I think it is. It's starting to be looked at as something that is an option coming out of law school, and and I think that that is a beautiful thing because it's really going to help change the expectations of the industry and meet people where they are. Hmm. You mentioned limitation on the diversity of thought. What do you mean by that in the mediation space? 
So limitation on diversity of thought, what I really mean is there is a limit, or I guess there there are there is not a lot of diversity in the space. And diversity, you know, a lot of people think immediately diversity is race, but diversity is sex, it is it is socioeconomic status, it is, you know, ethnicity. There, there's so much to diversity religion. And the more diversity in the space, the more progress we can make. And right now, there's not a ton of diversity. I mean, and and that is representative in um, whether it's lawyers, you know, regardless of of what part of the legal industry, it, there is not uh, a ton of diversity in the ADR space. And so, so that's what I mean by diversity of thought. I, I think just getting different people, and especially you know, specifically these early career folks, getting younger folks. Um, getting younger people to think about mediation and how we can continue moving forward in this space, because it's clearly the answer to the backlog and to any time the court systems get behind in this way. Mm, no, thanks for explaining that. Now, in your own practice, I mean, how has COVID-19 impacted the demand um, for mediation that you've seen and I guess the you know, percentage of time you're spending on mediation versus um, litigation? Well, mediation, it is it is because of the backlog and because of the requirements to mediate, my schedule is just more and more booked. Um, and and it's, a, it's a wonderful problem to have. It is not a complaint on this side. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm really lucky to, to get to mediate and work with new people every day and to be in such high demand. Um, but my schedule just just went, I mean, to be honest with you, Lyle, it went nuts once the pandemic happened because there's such a demand to resolve cases now uh, with the backlog. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse on it, but it, it really it really allowed it, the pandemic has really opened some doors for mediators to to build their practice and get more exposure, get more chances because the, the chances are out here. The opportunity is here. We're kind of at a pivotal moment right now. Um, in, in regard to people getting the chance to mediate, not only with for access reasons, because they can do it virtually, but also for reasons to, to help with the court backlog. And, you know, as you're mentioning this demand and being more and more booked, like are most of these mediations being conducted virtually or are you returning to having a number of in-person ones as well? Well, I'm currently, Lyle, about 50-50. Uh, but I did spend, you know, the last two years 100% virtual. I think we started going back in person right before Omicron kind of popped up. And then once Omicron popped up, it, it went back to some mostly virtual. And I think that there will always be a need for in-person mediation. I don't think that that is going away. But I think that virtual is also here to stay and kind of changed the industry and what the expectations are of of mediators. And so those two years, I had to go completely virtual and learn Zoom and Teams and um, um, all the all the different communication software. So yeah, it's it's so now we're back to but Lyle, I would say we're back to about 50% now 50-50. And, you know, is that up to the parties to determine how they would like to do it? Or do you have some say? How does that get worked out? Well, it's generally up to the parties. I mean, I have specific days that I make virtual um, so that I can 
I can travel for either work or for um, or for vacation, you know, whatever it is so that I can kind of do things at the same time. Um, so I'm I so some of the days I keep virtual, but most times the parties make that decision. I would say nine out of 10 times they decide whether they're virtual or in person. Great. Well, I just wanted to wrap up with a couple questions circling back to fourth party. You know, I understand you've attracted interest from another number of mediators in the Southeast. And I'm wondering, you know, what your growth plans for fourth party are at this point? Well, right now we have, we are uh, in five different, we're in five different states with over 2000 matters. And, and so growth plans are continuing to approach mediators who who need this kind of back end and front end support. And so what what our growth plan is and kind of what we what we really enjoy is communicating with mediators and figuring out what their pain points are. Figuring out what what drives you crazy about the administrative side of this stuff. We can't help you with um, hard to deal with lawyers. We can't help with that. That's your job. But what we can help with is is making the back end and front end all of the things outside of the mediation easier. And so growth growth wise, it's really just expanding the area. And so we've got a, luckily we've had a lot of fortune in the Southeast and it's continuing to expand. We've, we're talking to people in LA, New York and Chicago. And so it's really just figuring out how do we continue to find mediators? And, and it's also creating partnerships with law schools because that's, it's really important for these folks, for these students that are considering mediation as a career and are in these clinics to get certified, that they learn to mediate with the proper tool. And so making connections and partnerships with law schools while also approaching different mediators and figuring out pain points, that's, that's really our growth strategy at this point. Right. And are there any new features that users or potential users should um, look out for in the coming months or coming years. Yeah, we we got a um, what we're really excited about is a it's kind of a settlement calculator. It's a midpoint calculator. Um, it helps mediators learn about the use of brackets and some of the negotiation strategies that lawyers find commonplace because you know you you kind of learn over time about this stuff, but you don't really learn about brackets in your mediation certification class. And so what, and so really what the, what it is teaching the user is how people can negotiate and different signs to look at during negotiations to read into where the mediation is going. And so more process mapping for early career mediators, but that's coming in the future. That, that is, that's a couple months, uh, that should be here in a couple months and we're really looking forward to it. Great. Well, yeah, I was going to say it sounds like a lot to look forward to. Um, Gino, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely, Lyle. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please be sure to rate and review the Legal Rebels podcast on your favorite podcast listening service. I'm your host, Lyle Moran, signing off. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, 
is officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.